Pretend normal sucks. One of the most challenging triggers in affair recovery is to pretend normal. The attitude of our remorseful spouse not bringing up the affair as frequently as we wished could be driven by shame, according to Rick Reynolds of Affair Recovery. It is terrible when we are constantly thinking about the affair because we are not able to control our thoughts. It is just too much for us, and it takes time for the disbelief and the disappointment to subside. Rick talks about the person who cheated wanting to protect his or her image. I felt this was Mark's case. He preferred to leave what he did in the past and not bring it up. He later clarified to me during a fruitful conversation that the reason was indeed his shame. Most days, I wished I could just forget the affair ever happened and live with Mark's decision to be a good boy again. Yet, I knew this would be sweeping the problems under the carpet. They would start to stink eventually. I talked about it with Mark. I knew he didn't have to be punished for making one mistake as he kept repeating over and over again for over a year, I would think, or being, or being exposed to people who would just gossip or humiliate him. It wouldn't take away my pain and it would create more awkwardness. I had experienced awkwardness firsthand by disclosing the affair to a few key people at the hotel where Mark and the affair partner worked. There was really no point in jeopardizing our family's income. So I had to live with some degree of pretending normal. Acknowledging the positives. To his credit, at almost eight months since D-Day, Mark started the conversation one day. It was a big step in the right direction. Mark knew that the work dinner he attended the previous night was a trigger for me. I hated being this insecure person infidelity had made me, by the way. He sent me an early morning message to cheer me up the next day, asking me how I was, letting me know he was thinking of me. That was nice. It is as if he felt my sorrow. A few moments before I received his message, I had wept over a song that took me to the time I believed in true love that would last a lifetime. I shared my thoughts with him and I informed my tribe. I tweeted, I'm sad today and sent this to husband. I'm sad. I'm mourning my belief in true love that is promised and lasts a lifetime. I thought I had it with you, but I don't. I have to decide whether or not to settle for whatever you can offer, for as long as you are willing, with the doubt that you might be hiding a secret part of you that you decide to share with others or another. It is grief for what I thought we had that turned out to be so not very special. April 17, 2019. He replied that we would talk about it when he came home after work that afternoon. Once he came home, I was waiting for his reply to my note. He didn't start the conversation face to face. We had dinner with the kids, pretended normal while I was distant and unresponsive to his signs of affection. 
He suggested we watched some Netflix. I remained silent. I eventually took the initiative and grabbed my handwritten notes. I had learned to write down what I wanted to communicate to Mark in order to have an efficient exchange of views. There were open-ended questions to help keep the conversation going, as the Gottman Institute suggests. One was, what did you learn from the affair regarding emotional and sexual connectedness? And what is love for you? Mark couldn't articulate anything too different from, I made a mistake because I was stupid. I live in fear of upsetting you. I am avoiding all socializing at work except for the unavoidable cases. I cannot quit my job. We cannot live on thin air. That was it. My conclusion. Pretend normal is not enough to rebuild trust. I had been looking inwards and working on my childhood insecurities, nurturing my inner child and loving myself. Mark finally understood that he had to fight his demons. I asked him one more time to up his game for regaining my trust and making me feel loved. All the energy he was not using in placing a lover and hiding the affair from me, he could use in winning me back. He nodded. Why do we stay with an ex-unfaithful spouse? Why do we stay with someone who cheated on us? This question pops up many times in the mind of the spouse who didn't choose to stray while facing the same marriage challenges. There are two people in the relationship and only one feels entitled to escape to the limerence of an affair. One of my tweets asked this question and said she felt disgusted for staying. I replied, you keep loving the bastard who cheated until you love the great person in them. There were many responses in an interesting conversation. This is what I tweeted. You need a friend like my Emily who tells you that you come out a winner for giving yourself a chance to love. If there's love in your heart, you keep loving the bastard until you love the great man in him. Hashtag hope it is not too contradictory. April 15, 2019. In the face of the complexity of recovering from an affair, I have simplified it to two emotions, love and fear. Amongst other things, we might feel disgusted for staying with a remorseful ex-unfaithful spouse because we are afraid of being betrayed again, so we withdraw in order to protect ourselves. We get angry because we are afraid of looking like a doormat in front of others. We feel sad because we were not able to prevent the infidelity from the person we loved or loved. We didn't express our feelings or needs because we were afraid to lose what we loved. If we replace fear with love every single time, whether we are the betrayed or the unfaithful spouse, our recovery would be so much simpler. I can think of a few reasons why we stay. One, the love in your heart didn't go away after discovering the infidelity. Two, 
your whole life has been built in partnership with your spouse. Three, you probably share children or pets, property, or a business with this person. Four, he or she is a good person, apart from the infidelity. Five, he or she shows remorse and asks for your help to recover from the affair. Six, the affair is over. Seven, your spouse is back after the mental and emotional absence during the affair. Eight, you missed his, her attention and now you can enjoy it. Nine, you want to give yourself a chance to benefit from a new, improved version of the person you have loved for years. Ten, you want to love him or her just because there is nothing to feel disgusted about. It is your fear speaking from your mind. Breathe into your heart and synchronize your mind with your feelings. If you love your ex-cheating partner, give your love a chance. It is the best self-love gesture from you to you. If things don't work out in the longer term, you know you did everything you could to save your marriage or relationship and you will have had time to grow, recover, heal, coming out a stronger and wiser human being, ready for more love with the people who are worthy of it. Write it and release it. I cannot stress enough how effective writing is as a means to heal. It works as well for the simple challenges we face while our life is normal as for the very complicated havoc created by infidelity. Writing helps you organize your ideas and then you start realizing there are feelings you were not aware of until you sit in front of a blank page. Imagine you in a new canvas ready to create an image from your place of grief. It is an excellent tool to walk through your pain instead of numbing yourself to it. Remember that pain that is not transformed is transmitted. You don't want to make those around you miserable. You want to recover your joy. Remember the day when you believed in love and commitment? Just because your spouse cheated on you, it doesn't mean that you will be mourning forever. Even the most sudden and painful loss, like the loss of a child, can be overcome. Write regardless of the outcome. Writing works for all possible outcomes. Did your spouse leave? Write. Did you leave? Write. Are you pretending normal? Write. Are you on individual and couple therapy? Write. Are you a few months or a few years past D-Day? Right. Infidelity is a traumatic experience and there are losses you must grieve. Writing is an excellent way to go through these stages of grief, denial, anger, resentment, depression, and acceptance. Some of the most visited posts on my blog, sailingthroughinfidelity.blogspot.com, are the letters I wrote to the affair partner and to my husband on a few occasions when I was frustrated I, I over gratitude or I was talking about triggers. The letter to the other woman was a summary of a conversation we had over the phone. 
It helped me stop recalling that moment over and over in my mind. Once I put it on the blog, shared it with my tribe, I got feedback from them and reread it a few times, I could leave it in the past where it belongs. I didn't give it to her. It was not necessary. Sharing is daring and it allows for caring. Once I published my story as a book, eight months after D-Day, I felt a cycle was completed. I was ready to leave the affair in the past and focus on creating new memories with my committed husband. It wouldn't have been the same if I didn't publish the book. It took courage to do so and I felt I owe it to myself. I will forever remember Mark's face when I told him that I had published a book with the title Sailing Through Infidelity. It is homage to my suffering, a present from me to me. I discovered that self-love is the key that opens many doors like compassion, joy, and hope. Writing is one way for me to share my story with others who can benefit from it. I loved feeling that I could help even one person to find solace in writing. Just knowing that you will be reading this book or listening to this podcast helps me get to a better place. My feelings towards the affair partner. A few days past nine months since D-Day, I was far from healed. I still felt angry when I thought of the lies, the gaslighting, the betrayal. I no longer felt the need to harm the woman who made the affair possible. Even when she contacted me because she was scared I would let her husband know about the affair, I felt a blush and then I breathed and carried on with my day. I wasn't to be part of her emotional life support, as some experienced members of my Twitter tribe pointed out. I did tell her that I was writing a book with all the details of the affair. She doesn't know I'm using a pen name, so she will live with the uncertainty that I might tell all any day. Their reality. Mark was connected, present and loving. We had just navigated through a holiday that could have been a trigger and I managed to stay present in the here and now. Enjoying that he was fully present rather than being resentful about the previous year's emotional absence and gaslighting. That felt great. I also felt grateful for all the people who shared their affair recovery stories and reminded me that they are in a better place than when they discovered the infidelity. I hope you can also find comfort in knowing that if I have healed, you can do it too. I send you hope, love and hugs. <laughs>